Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Now, um, I, I want to spend the next couple of Wednesdays to talk about leadership, kingdom leadership. And the reason is because um, over the years, as I either travel to preach or interact with church leaders or interact with the leaders that uh, God has given us the privilege to raise in our local church, I, I've come to realize that it's like many of us are not clear that there is a difference between leadership in the kingdom and leadership in the world. And, and so, uh, unfortunately, even among Christian leaders, uh, we have so almost borrowed the culture of the world into our leadership style that uh, leaders who are not really leading according to biblical standards are held in high esteem than leaders who try to follow what the scripture says. And so I thought one of the ways is for us to study leadership from the very mouth of Jesus. And what, what I found out also is that people try to react to things. So, let's say for example... You, you, you do something and then someone reacts badly, then what happens is you build up reaction to that and build philosophies around that reaction, even though that reaction might be contrary to the Word of God. Let me give you an example. Maybe you give and the you know, people don't appreciate your giving. All right? Are you here? Okay. So people don't appreciate your giving, right? Then what do you do? So, I'm not giving again. Since you people think that I don't have sense, I'll tell you I have sense. Okay. Now that you have sense, you've stopped giving. But the scripture says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So your sense have broken the scriptures. Can you understand what I'm saying now? So you are reacting to that situation, and your reaction is making you to disobey the word of God, because the anger of man will never lead to the righteousness of God. So I realize also that sometimes, even as Christian leaders, we have reacted to the way people treat us and have developed leadership styles that are not in the Scriptures. And therefore, we have several kinds of leadership. And then I also realize that sometimes we study a lot of secular leadership books so you study how Coca-Cola was built. You study how IBM was built. You study how uh, they are doing it in McKinsey. And afterwards, adopt all of those 
And so what you have, right, in the church is just a, <laughs> you know, a mixture of secular leadership. You know, if you, I, I don't advise you read it, but if you read 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene, right? Some of you have read it. Okay. Uh, it says, draw your friends closer. And say, draw your, draw your friends close and draw your enemy what? Closer. All right. So, after studying that, how do you apply that in church? Right? Or one of the lawyers is never outshine the master. Okay? That works very well in a cult setting. So, how does that work? So, you realize that if you feed yourself with all of those leadership stories, once you get into the church, you will start looking for who is my friend and who is my enemy. Who should I draw close? Who should I not draw closer? Do you understand? So it's important that we renew our mind where this is concerned. Jesus did not teach so much about leadership. Jesus did not have conversations about leadership as he had about so many other things because the, the life of the kingdom will naturally make you a good leader if you live the principles of the kingdom of God. Then secondly, <clears throat> every one of us is a leader. And why do I say every one of us is a leader? The simplest definition of leadership, very popular definition, is the one given by John C. Maxwell. And the fact is that leadership is influence. Now, if we take the fact that leadership is influence, we realize that every one of us seated here today were influencing someone. And that's very important for you to note. Whether you know it or not, you are indirectly influencing someone. Knowingly and unknowingly, you are. It might be that little boy in your compound. It might be your closest friend. It might just be someone who looks up to you from a distance. Praise God. But you are influencing someone. You are influencing someone. Known and unknown to you, you are a powerful influence. And if we know that we are influencing others, then what happens is that we have to be more conscious of how we live. In fact, a lot of the people you influence will not tell you directly. You are influencing them by the law of observation. Praise God. That, that, having said that, the other thing we have to understand is that every one of us has the seed of leadership in us. Every one of us has the seed of leadership in us. That seed is at its potential stage. Every child of God has got the seed of leadership in us. And cultivating that seed of leadership is crucial if we want to impact our world. So when we talk about leadership in the kingdom of God, we are not just talking about some selected people. We're talking about every child of God. 
Because the potential for leadership is in every one of us because we influence people and we've got the potential to also influence more people. And I'll tell you, someone somewhere has made a decision based on the advice you give to them. Praise God. Someone somewhere has made a decision based on the advice you give to them. And that's influence. And you know, choices have consequences. And so, don't underestimate your influence in the life of people. Don't underestimate your influence in the life of your friends. Praise God. One day I came back from school. I was in the university then, just getting admission, 100 level. I came back from school. You know, and I started laughing in a funny way. So, my mom asked me, he says, which of your friends laughs like this? So, I said, oh, nobody. He said, no, that's not how you used to laugh when you went to school. Uh, and thinking of it, I realized that, oh, I was laughing like one of my friends. You know, sometimes you can feel that your laugh is not strong enough. <laughs> and there's your friend that has a very deep, strong laughter. And what happened? Unconsciously. How many of you have realized that unconsciously you pick some words that your friends use consistently and then they get into your own sentences? It's unconscious. Right? Some of you didn't like, some of you didn't like to wear trousers before. Okay? And um, just an example, please. I don't have anything against trousers. Okay? Then you started mixing with people who wore trousers. And every time you want to enter either the bike or the bus, you say, see, that's why we're always telling you, wear trousers. We say, no. Wear trousers. We say, no. After a while, what will happen? That's influence. They've led you. Are you following this? It's both ways. You know, some people don't like this. And then after running around with people who like it, they start liking it. Evil can be learned. Righteousness can be learned. So, uh, you have influence. You are powerful. While you are seated where you are seated now, it looks like I'm the most powerful man in this room. That's a lie. Some of you even have stronger influence than I have. Praise God. You know, I can finish teaching like this, and then someone asks you, what, what do you think about what pastor told you? said, don't mind pastor. <laughs> it, all the message I've taught one hour, that's one, you know, I've been teaching one hour, leadership is influence, you have the seed of leadership, you are writing down. Just that don't mind pastor has eradicated my one hour of study, teaching, prayer, fasting, dressing up, combing my hair. You are more powerful. It looks like I'm the one with the power. But you're more powerful. Just say, don't mind, pastor. And all the message I've taught is gone. You see, you are very powerful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are powerful. And because that's the seed of leadership that God has placed in every child. Every, every born-again child of God. And you must learn to use that influence rightly. You must learn to use that influence rightly. I'll give you two examples and then we get into the word. Jeroboam was made king. And he met the elders. People came to meet him and said, please, you know, we don't want to 
be under tribute. Let's lessen the burden on us. And he asked the elders, what should I do? The elder says, if you lessen the tribute, these people will serve you forever. Then he asked these guys on Instagram, guys, what do you think? They said, ah, my friend, <laughs> I don't like talking too much, but it's only one line I'll just tell you. Tell them, my small finger will be as thick as my father's wrist. He said, hmm, that's wisdom. And he told them. And, and, and the people said to your tent to Israel, he lost influence over the kingdom just by listening to his peers. Many people do not know what they lost when they listen to the wrong friends. You might never know because Jeroboam never knew the outcome of that. But as we read it, we would see. So I, I, I want to first of all tell you that you've got the seed of leadership in you. And that seed has to be cultivated rightly. Now, there are two scriptures. Well, the same story, but narrated by two of the disciples of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45. We're going to read it, and then we'll go to Matthew, but we're studying Matthew today. So all through this Wednesday is leadership school. And this will help you, even at work. It will help you anywhere you are. At home, women, you're leading your children. Men, you're leading your kids. Children, senior brothers, you're leading your younger brothers. Your younger sisters. Mark 10, verse 35. Are you there? I didn't hear you. Okay. Your yes is very low. Are you there? Okay. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. You know, when you read the Bible, you will think that people will be afraid to talk to Jesus. Eh? You, you thought that when Jesus was teaching, or Jesus was around, his disciples would be scared to talk to him. But look at what these people were telling Jesus, the Savior of the whole world. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> Imagine meeting Jesus. Eh? And saying, Jesus. And Jesus says, yes. So, okay. I want you to do for me whatever I ask of you. What boldness. All right. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Have you observed the way Jesus replied people who asked him questions? Including foolish questions? Hmm? He tried to give them answers. So he said, yeah, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. Very precise. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We are able. <laughs> they don't even know the cup. They don't know. He said, It's cup of that baptism. <laughs> we are ready. <laughs> And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. By the time church history was done to them, they didn't remember that there was a seat by the left and by the right. By the time the Roman emperor started killing them, 
when they drank this cup and they were baptized with this baptism, they didn't remember position. And we'll talk about this. Because most times, some of us feel that leadership position is very easy. If I were the pastor of this church, it's not this one that pastor is doing. <laughs> you will drink the cup. God will call you to start your own church in the village. You know, sometimes when you are, ah, if I was the man of the house, I don't know what my husband is doing. You will know. Sometimes it's when the man is dead, you now realize that it's not easy to look after children. Hmm? Your wife will be walking, doing this. Ah, I don't, this woman is too lazy. When my grandmother was married to my grandfather, we have 16 children. And you didn't know that you had 16 obedient children. And now, you have given birth to two children that... I mean, if you are taking out 20 obedient children, 10 on this side, 10 on this side, now you have two stubborn kids that are almost like 40. You don't listen to anybody. Now, it's the day your wife travels that you will realize that your children don't hear anything. Are you following this? You take the child to the kitchen. Do you want to eat indomie? You say yes. Then you start preparing indomie. Start preparing indomie. Start preparing indomie. Halfway. You say no. It's like you have experienced it before. And I say, so what do you want? Say rice and stew. Then you bring stew from fire. You bring rice. Halfway. He said, oh, that they are late for school. <laughs> you won't know. You said, just wait. Let your mother come back. No, you see, it, that's the baptism of motherhood. It's easy to just say, oh, I want to have four children. I want to have six children. Because you don't go to labor ward. Hmm? Never underestimate what people do to be where they are. Even your supervisor at work is not easy. So, we will get there. But you understand this whole thing about leadership? He said, please, let us sit. <laughs> Jesus says, there is a baptism. He said, we are available. Where are we done? He says, but to sit on my right or my left, that is not mine to give. That is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Now, there were twelve people Jesus called as apostles. Two said they want to sit, and the two are brothers. Right? One says, I want to sit at your right, right? I want to sit at your left. Where were the ten? They were, what they were trying to say is this, right? Jesus is here. We are at the right. My brother is at the right. My brother is at the left. Then the rest of you can sit on the floor. And we are ruling with Jesus. Imagine if you were in that team. And they were angry. The word ending there means they were angry. The, the ten of them were angry with James and John. I'm showing you the leadership team of Jesus. The people Jesus had to work with to bring the gospel. You know, I was teaching them in Abuja last week. And I was telling them, people say, oh, there's a problem in the church. It's because of a problem in the church. I don't want to come to the church. And I showed them from the scripture that the first church quarreled over food. It was because they were not sharing food where, in Acts chapter 6, that's why they brought Dickens. Dickens was not brought because the work was so much. No, it was because they were quarreling over how food was being shared. The very first church that experienced the day of Pentecost, six chapters after all of them spoke in tongues, they quarreled over food. And if you ask people who leave church, not many leave for doctrine. Not many leave for very serious reasons. It's trivial reasons. So I'm showing you here too. 
how two disciples of Jesus wanted power. And the ten were angry. So Jesus had to address that. Jesus had to address that anger. And look at what Jesus said. Calling them to himself, (laughs) Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. You have to call them to explain to them. This is a different kingdom. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. We're going to deal with this next week. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Don't miss this. Pay attention to this. This is what Mark recorded. Now, I want you to see what Matthew recorded. Actually, this, I told you about influence. These kids were influenced by their mother. So, Matthew wrote that for us. Matthew 20, same story, verse 20 to 28. Go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. Alright, Matthew 20, 20. The, then the mother of the two sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to, to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command <laughs> that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Now when you watch the language of the mother and watch how Mark renders the request to Jesus, you will know where they got that language from. His command. But the mother brought them. And bow down. Say command. One on your right, one on your left. <laughs> but Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, we are able. <laughs> they said to him, we are able. You know what this reminds me of? All those footballers that do commentary. Retired footballers. Eh? They'll start analyzing, 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 analyzing. Then, they will now ask them to go and coach a club. And after four matches, they'll sack them. Because everybody is a good coach in front of the TV. Then, let's read on. He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those from whom it has been prepared by my Father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, not so among you, I really want you to pay attention to that verse, to that word. It's not so among you. That means that in the kingdom, there is a different way of leadership. And and as children of God, this leadership style, we have to be more convenient with what Jesus is teaching than what we see in the world. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And it's interesting that Jesus teaches about leadership and he uses two words that are interesting. He's talking to people about leadership and then he uses the word servant and he uses the word slave. But those words, if you pay attention to those two words, those are not the words found when he was talking about gentle leadership. He he talked about rulers and great men. We, We have to, if we want to lead in the kingdom of God, redefine what we mean by greatness. What do we mean by greatness? What is greatness in the kingdom of God? Now, let's, let's do a bit of analysis on this verse. This is going to be our key verse, key chapter and verse. Let's do a bit of analysis here. Number one. Number one. They wanted leadership positions without the sacrifice of leadership. They wanted leadership positions without what? I didn't hear you. Without what? Everybody say the sacrifice. I didn't hear you one more time. The sacrifice of that position. They wanted leadership positions without a sacrifice. And many times, that's how we view leadership. All, we, all sometimes we see in leadership is the position. That's all we see. Sometimes in leadership. And there are people who desire that position. Let me tell you, there is no leadership position that is easy. Not one. Not one leadership position that's easy. And, and, and don't be carried away by positions. We're going to deal with that. But don't be carried away by positions. Every leadership role you occupy comes with a level of sacrifice. Number two, Jesus said, leadership comes with drinking the cup. Jesus talks about the cup that he will drink. You can write Matthew 26, 39 down. He talked about the cup that he will drink. What is that cup? It was the cup of suffering, of persecution, of betrayal. When you come into leadership, these are the things that you will get. Suffering, betrayal, persecution, hard work. There are certain times when those you are leading will be sleeping and you cannot sleep. So when you want to become a leader, you must prepare your heart. And that's why a leader cannot have a normal life. A leader can never have it. If you want to become a leader, if you want to influence people, you must, you must be hard on yourself for your potentials to come out. You can't have a normal life. You can't sleep when others are sleeping. You can't read just what others are reading. No. When Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane and he was about to get to the cross, the Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross. When he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he took 12 men with him, his disciples, and said, pray with me for one hour. Did they pray with him? Come on, I didn't hear you now. Did they pray with him? What happened? They slept. What did Jesus do? He prayed. 
And then he came to them again. And said, pray with me for another hour. They slept again. Do you know what it means? Let's put this up in our mind and think about it. You are about to die. You've spent three and a half years with these twelve men. Following you everywhere. Invested your, your life. And the person who sold you was one of the twelve. You're already dealing with that. And then you now say, okay, let's just pray so that God will see me through this phase. All of them slept. All. In fact, the, the, when you read the scripture, the Bible says when Jesus came, their eyes were heavy with sleep. So it was not just that it was small sleep. They, they slept in such a way Jesus knew their eyes were heavy with sleep. Let me tell you, how comfortable would you feel? Are you following this? <clears throat> We're talking about leadership. It's like you teach and teach and teach and teach and teach. And the more, it's like the more you teach, the more people live contrary to what you're teaching. If you are not careful, the next time you take the pulpit, you will just be blasting people. You people think I'm wasting my time yet. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> you know, when years of pastors, when years of pastors teach, you just do that. Ah! And most times, after a while, when those hearts are not healed, they begin to affect our doctrine. And that's why it's called that a lot of doctrine are from that bitter heart, hot heart. <laughs> so Jesus said, you have to drink of this cup. So leadership comes with sacrifice. Sometimes sacrifice for people that do not appreciate the sacrifice. It was those that Jesus was dying to redeem that killed him. Are you following this? They brought a thief and says, between this thief and Jesus, whom do you choose? And they chose the thief. That's how you see Democracy is very funny. But when you study government, you realize that democracy sometimes is not the best form of government. Because if you have... One, one million foolish people and ten wise people, the foolish people would vote. So sometimes democracy is subject to the intellectual capacity of those involved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I've always not, I've always not agreed with the fact that democracy is the best form. Sometimes people you're leading don't know what is good for them. Are you following this now? So they chose the thief. And yet, Jesus came. Look at that verse. It says, the Son of Man came to give himself as a ransom for men. That means that sometimes in leadership, you are leading people that don't value what you're giving. You are a father. You're trying to lead your son in the right way. And your son does not value that wisdom. Trying to lead your wife. Trying to lead your children. Trying to lead your... You know, the people in your... You are overseeing at your workplace. You might see this is the best way we can get this done. And you don't see it. That's one of the prize of leadership. And nothing is as frustrating as that. Number three. Jesus distinguished between two types of leaders. And he gave their characteristics. So our... When we read that 
verses we just read, Jesus talked about two kinds. We're going to deal with one kind today. Jesus talked about two kinds of leaders and gave their characteristics. He talked about the Gentiles. Let's look at verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Verse 25. The word ruler there means leader. The one vested with power and dignity. A chief, a ruler, a prince, a magistrate, a leader. It's used 37 times in the New Testament. It says the rulers of the Gentiles. Now, the Greek word, um, that word there, right there, it says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over. Now, that word in the Greek is one compound word. Lord it over. Okay? Now, the, the word Lord in Greek is kurios. That's what it's, it's in the Greek. K-U-R-I-O-U-S. That's kurios. But Lord it over is kata kurios. It's one phrase, one compound word. And the word kata kurios means to dominate. To dominate. To gain dominion over or to master. Interestingly, it's used only four times in the scriptures. That phrase is used only four times in the scriptures. It, it, it means the, 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 the rulers of the Gentiles want to dominate them. Now, leadership in the kingdom is not dominating other people. That's not leadership. In the world it is. But in the kingdom, no. Even Paul says that we do not have dominion over your faith. He said we don't have dominion over your faith. But rather, we are helpers of joy. We are helping your faith. You see, leading in the kingdom is different. We don't lead people by trying to dominate them. That's not how, uh, it, that's not how leadership in the kingdom is. Now, Let's look at the places it was used. It was used in, um, we've, read, we've, read, we've read two of the places it was used. Matthew 20, 25, which we're reading, we're reading now. And uh, Mark 10, 42, which we read before. Now, interestingly, Acts nineteen sixteen is the next place it was used. And it was used for evil spirits. Acts nineteen sixteen. It says, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. And mastered all of them. That word mastered, right? Uh, the, the, new, the new American standard, the newest new American standard version used the word subdued all of them. That word subdued there is the same Greek word as katakurios, which means to lord it over. It mean, you remember this story, right? I say in the name of uh, um, Jesus that, you know, uh, Paul preached. Hmm? <laughs> These demon spirits, they are not, uh, you know, demons are not friendly. So they said, Paul will know, Jesus will know, who are you? And look at what happened. They were swift. <laughs> and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. If you cast out demons from someone who you haven't understood your rights in Christ. You know, demon, demonic people, are, uh, they have extra human strength. Have you, <laughs> have you casted out demons before and they slapped you? 
Demons are not powerful, but you've got to know who you are in Christ. It's not by carrying cross. You know, when you've watched too much Nigerian uh, movies, you, you have a concept of the Bible that is, that is very incorrect. So you now carry Bible. And I do like it. <laughs> it. And some of you consciously do that. Or you carry cross. And I do like you. <laughs> if you meet a wicked, they will beat you. <laughs> oh, they, oh, they will beat you. They will, they will beat you. They will really beat you. They won't touch you in terms of, you know, people say, Spirit came to attack me. You know, evil spirits don't know about whether they attack you. They will first of all beat you physically first. That will refrain you from coming. I told, I told you the story before. I was growing younger in the faith. My friend said we should go and cast out demons from one girl. <laughs> we were just coming up. We went there. <laughs> when I entered the house, I saw her eyes. I knew that this was not my level. And you know, one of the things that God has given to me very early in life, even before I became very serious with God, was wisdom to know when to fight and when to... I was, I was really never beaten in my life. Because once I look at a fight, I tell myself the honest truth like the prodigal son did. And I walked away from... Because I hate pain. I hate, I, so once I just know that this person can beat me, there is nothing. I will just go home. <laughs> there is no need for him to test and um, tried to cast out the evil spirit. Came out. Friend was suspended. About <laughs> <laughs> mirror fell down, got broken. So I went closer to the door. Made sure it wasn't locked. <laughs> when I saw my friend up, I took off. I took off. And because I ran, that's why I'm still preaching to you today. <laughs> that's why I'm still here. Because he didn't graduate, he got sick, he spent the whole exam period in the hospital. That's what happened here. They subdued <laughs> and overpowered them. Look at this. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Imagine you see three evangelists, friend, are you laughing? And you see man of God running with only his pants. Shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Say, what happened? Say, the evil spirit mastered them, lord it over them, dominated them. <laughs> Demons are wicked. Imagine if they were married. You saw your father running home. Say, where are your clothes? Say, my friend, open the door. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. But the word there, when it says they subdued all of them, is the same word that he used for master, the rulers of the Gentiles. Now, understand this. It doesn't connote a good thing. It connotes an oppressive spirit that leaves people wounded. And it's an oppressive way of leadership that people under you do not find great expression. You lord it over them. You see, the joy of life in the kingdom is not that there is one great man. The joy of life in the kingdom is that when people come around you, they found their greatness. Nobody's greatness in the kingdom can outdo yours. It's about helping each other become, becoming as great as the Lord has ordained each and every one of us to become. To dominate 
So leadership is not trying to have dominion over people. Leadership is not trying to master it. It's not that everybody knows, hey, you know what? I'm the master. I'm the man in charge here. No, that's not leadership. That's not how kingdom leadership is led. That's not the philosophy. That's not the biblical worldview about kingdom leadership. I always tell people this. When they came to arrest Jesus, um, Judas had to kiss Jesus for the soldiers to know who Jesus was. If it were in our day, it would not be possible. You already know. When you walk in, you already know who the man is. Jesus couldn't be distinguished from his disciples. He couldn't. If uh, Judas had not kissed him, they could have taken Peter. They could have taken Bartholomew. They could have taken, they could have taken anyone because he looked very much like them. Leadership is not separating yourself from the people. And that is why I say we have to review this because sometimes... When, when you now find a leader that is simple and is friendly, then familiarity gets in. And so, in reaction to that, people now want to develop a leadership um, style that creates honor for themselves. And I'll read it to you. The Pharisees have to do that. The Pharisees, Jesus told them, you like the important seats in the synagogue. That's what Jesus told them. Say you like the high chair. And you like people greeting you, Rabbi, Rabbi, when you are walking in the marketplace. And you like to make your garments long. So that once you are coming, they say, that is the Rabbi. And it's not different from what we have today. That is so easy to identify the pastor from the people. Even when you don't want to lead that way. They will remind you, you are, you are a man of God. <laughs> Be man of God. <laughs> and yeah. You, you understand that? They will remind you. I remember one time, they gave us <laughs> leadership positions in schools. So, they now told us, now you are leaders. Now that you are leaders, you cannot go and eat in a member's house. I don't know how many of you had leadership Stuff like that in school. Eh? Oh, Livingstone. They told you to. And I said, <laughs> this will be a problem. Because, number one, I didn't have a lot of food. <laughs> number two, I had a very pleasing personality. So, most times, the Lord has done it in such a way that I go to people's houses when. They are cooking. If the Lord just orders my steps, <laughs> and I realize that taking this leadership position will not work. But then I showed them from the scriptures when Jesus went to Peter, and they were fishing and they were toiling all night. Uh, no, not they were toiling. They, they hadn't caught any fish. And then when he met them after the, uh, he returned from the res- when he resurrected, and he asked them, "Lads, do you have any fish?" And they say yes. And then they brought fish, and Jesus ate fish. So I showed them from the scripture, but. I mean, Jesus is our master. I know you are the papa of the fellowship, but Jesus ate fish with the disciples. You say, no, this is our constitution. I say, I won't. it won't work for me. Because if I accept that constitution, two things will happen. The first thing I'm sure of is hunger. <laughs> and I still have two years. 
And I didn't accept it. Because I also did not find it interesting that these are people you're called to reach. These are people you're called to minister to. And just yesterday, we ate together. And now today, you are in position, you can no longer eat in the house. And interestingly, it happened. One of my friends, when he made him the vice president of the campus fellowship, he came to my house, my room to pray. So I went to stay with a friend of mine. He prayed, you know, prayed for two days and everything. You know, he was now vice president. I, I, I didn't accept the position, so I was just an ordinary member. <laughs> so he had his birthday. And then there are these, if you went to Delta State University, you, you know the fellowship. There are these people they call Kilebites. Kilebites were like the security to the vice president. And we all, we all paid the same amount of school fees. <laughs> you know, if you go to the wrong campus fellowship, you will come out with the wrong mindset about our ministry. So, it was his birthday. So I went there to greet him, and I wanted to shake him. They, they just flagged my hand. Ah, I can't shake vice president. Ah, ah. So I was even trying to signal to him, and he was, ah, I just said, my friend. Just two days ago, it was from my room you came to receive your coronation. You know, I think that was where our friendship went apart. But what am I trying to say? Sometimes in our mind, we feel that is leadership. Hmm? We, 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 we have come to feel that leadership is when the man of God arrives and people are running, running, running. You almost feel like there trouble. Say, no, it's no, it's Papa that just came. You know, and everywhere is scattered. It looks like, Wow. But I'm not against or for. But can we look at the scriptures and follow what Jesus taught us? Let me show you something Peter said. Let me show you something Peter said. First Peter 5.3 First Peter 5.3 And if we don't go back to these leadership principles, right? We will not know when we will adopt the word standard. And we will think it is normal. First Peter 5. Look at verse 3. That's the fourth place that word was used. Can we read from verse 1 please? Verse 1. Therefore I exhort the elders among you. As your fellow elder. Did you see how Peter wrote? Hey come on church are you here? Say amen or say something. Amen. Look at what Peter wrote. It says as your fellow elder. Do you think if you were Peter who walked with Jesus, do, do you think you would ever write your fellow elder? Who is your fellow? Did, did, did you walk with Jesus? Are you people crazy in this place or you don't know your mate spiritually? You know people talk about spiritual ranking. Say, do you know my rank in the spirit? I don't know how people get to know their ranks. You know, today we throw the words out there. A general in God's army. Says a general. Says a feed marshal. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. John Gillick went to South Africa. Spent a couple of years in South Africa. And planted 500 churches. Went to Spoken Washington. Go read it up. Churches went to Spoken Washington. Started what you call the healing rooms. Trained ordinary people to start healing the sick, called the healing technicians. And after a couple of years, Spoken Washington was declared as the healthiest city in the world. 
Because the healing, the people John G. Lake trained to heal the sick, prayed for so much sick people that the city was almost free of sickness. He was, in fact, at a time he was arrested for practicing medicine without license. Because he got, he got hospital's bed emptied. He never referred to himself as general. And you know, you just throw your hands. Some people fall down. One person who I had a dick, I was healed. Say, general has appeared. The ego has landed. And like my friend Brandon Bailey will say, when you open your mouth, you now discover you are a parrot. <laughs> We've got to calm down. Whatever leadership position you are in, don't have that entitlement. That's not how we lead in the kingdom. Are you following this? That's not how we lead in the kingdom. Look at this. First Peter chapter 5. Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain. Don't lead God's people for gain. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for profit. It's the same thing, like I said. Wherever you are leading, don't lead for profit. They made you a supervisor. And it's only those who give you money that you put in, in certain positions. You're leading for profit. You're leading for gain. You see, you are, you are working in a place. It's only those you can benefit from that you put. It's only those that you like. That, you see, let me tell you something. One of the signs of a great leader is the ability to take weak men and make them strong. That's what David did. The men that were in debt, the men that were discontent, the men that were in distress, he made them later became the mighty men of David. Your strength as a leader is taking the weakest and making them strong. It's called transformational leadership. It's not transactional. It's not just because of what you can get. And we need to review this because in the body of Christ, it's almost becoming, listen, if we can't get anything from these people, we can't get to them. We've come to the days and the age where a pastor will go to, go to a church to preach just by how many people are there or what offerings can be given. You know, sometimes people invite me and then they ask me, so what do you charge? <laughs> I'm like, can you pay? You can't actually pay for the gift of God can't pay for the grace of God. I know there are people who abuse those situations. But you see, if because people abuse the situations, we now develop a heart that is not like that of Christ, then we're going to run into problems. It says, don't do it for sordid gain. But with eagerness. Then verse 3, remember the word we're looking at. Alright, catacurious. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Those that have been allotted to you, those that have been given to you. He says, no, no, don't lord it over them. Don't, don't try to dominate them. Don't try to dominate them. Can we use a simpler translation? Let's see if you can. Let's see what the, either the New Living Translation says or the Amplified. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. You will realize that any... Um, do not lord it over the people assigned to your care. 
Even as a pastor, you realize these people are assigned to your care. They are God's sheep. You don't lord it over, over, over people. You don't lord it over people. Not domineering. I like this. This is it. Can you see it? What, what does domineering mean? Come on, everybody, let's read. Want to go? What's that? Arrogance. Everybody say arrogance. Yeah, let's pause on that word. Arrogance. Once you get in. Huh? <laughs> Don't be arrogant. Even as the father of the house, you don't lead with arrogance. You know, you can lead your children the way you want to lead. After a while, those children will grow and they will leave you. You think when your children are married and you were that arrogant, they will come home to see you. They will send you money. So, I want to see people. They say, we are busy. Let me tell you, every face you are right now is very temporary. Every face you are right now, oh, is very temporary. Even as a pastor of this church, it's temporary. As I lead, as the Lord leads us, other people would rise up. Other, people were pastors before I was born. And then I became a pastor. Even when I pass away, other pastors will still come up. That position you are, even if you work in your company for 60 years, one day they will retire. When you are not able to see what, what is there again, I mean, they say you are working with machines, then they give you a screwdriver and, and, and bolt, and there's only one hole, and then you are, you are screwing under it. The first thing that is okay. They will even wait for you to, to get there. So everything is temporal. Always think of that, that what I have is assigned to me. Are you following this? Not dictatorial. Not dictatorial. That's how the leadership of the world is. Not dictatorial. And overbearing persons. Hmm? Sort of pull your full weight. Not overbearing. Not dictatorial. Not arrogant. And, and when we look at the world, these are the leadership traits we kind of pick. Even when you speak to those you lead, do you talk to them like they are human beings or they are not? I'll always ask you this, this question. If the position you are occupying today is taken away from you, would you still have the respect of people? Let's say I'm no longer the pastor of this church. You're no longer father. Hmm? You're no longer mother. You're no longer working in that company. You don't longer have what you have. As an individual, would people still, would you still be able to influence people positively? Of course, there are times to be firm. There are times to make sure things get done. But looking at leadership in the world is about lordship. It's about exercising rights. It's about being overbearing. And that's not kingdom leadership at all. That's not kingdom leadership. And we mustn't allow that get into the church. We mustn't allow that get into the church. Let's read on. So three things we find out about this kind of leadership that the Gentiles do is it is self-seeking. Everything about the leadership is about themselves. Themselves. It's about themselves. <laughs> you know... Um, 
over the weekend, a preacher, Pastor Paul in Abuja, and we were just talking. Some of our, uh, one of our classmates came around and we we're talking. And we just realized that some of the people who were so big shots in campus, who were pastors, campus pastors, today a lot of them are not in ministry. Some of us who were not able to get into those positions were doing ministry today. And it's just for a simple reason. For some of them, by the time they give them that position very early, kind of, I think it kind of got into their head. I think for other fellowships like the Scripture Union and NIFES and all of those Orthodox fellowships, there was a bit of calmness and system. But you know, some of the Pentecostal fellowship, oh, they, they went, <laughs> amen. They, went, they just went, they went overboard. It was excess. Had people cooking for them. Had people having to wash their clothes. Had people, you know, doing stuff for them. Man, come on. There is a place for honor, but is that really what it's about? And you know, because every campus fellowship had a name, students generally gravitated towards whatever campus fellowship. Then by the time they left school, realized that you have to plant a church, nobody will wash your clothes. Nobody will, nobody will come to you because you carry the name of the fellowship. Reality dawned on them and they discovered there was no substance. If they remove that title from you, do you have the content to actually influence people? Are people just following you because the supervisor has said you are in charge? Or really, there's content in your brain to lead other people? Eh? If they remove the coverall from you now, remove your ID card. If they take your badge from you and say, okay, go and address these people. And there's no coverall, there's no helmet. Sometimes the helmet covers things you don't know. Hmm? You are not speaking from a position of, do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes the people you are leading even know the job more than you. Humility would, would, would make you humble yourself and open yourself to learn and interact with people. Don't go into life with that arrogant, overbearing mindset. That's not kingdom leadership. That's not kingdom leadership. Number two, it's self-serving. Self-seeking, self-serving. It's all about serving yourself. It's about the gains of the position. The gains of, that, uh, of, of where you are. Do you realize what Apostle Paul said? He said, we have these rights, but we will waive them for the sake of the gospel. As a leader, it's not all your rights you take. You have to waive some so you can get the job done. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you following what I'm saying? Take this to your home. Sometimes, men, you've got to listen to your wives. You've got to listen to your wives. It's not just charging and charging and charging and charging and charging. One time, everybody will leave you. You will be shouting at an empty house. Yeah. Because sometimes, even as Christian married men, we still bring carnal leadership philosophies into our homes. That's why I always advise my sisters, never marry a man you cannot have a conversation with. Proper conversation. I know we teach women submit, to, but I mean, before you get to wife, submit to your own husband. The verse before that says submit to one another. Because before you were husband and wife, both of you were Christians. And Christians submit to one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's mutual submission that bets a strong marriage. Mutual submission. 
self-serving. C. It's domineering. It's a domineering style of leadership. It's domineering. It's about, you know what? I'm the man here. I call the shots. It, it, it might almost look like a weak style of leadership. It might, you know, leading like Christ leads almost makes you feel like you are weak. You don't know what you're doing. But you realize that if Jesus wanted to show his strength all the time, he would not have gone to the cross. Hmm? Jesus led him like a sheep to the slaughter. And he opened it, not his mouth. Sometimes it's not all the accusations against you that you defend. As you go up in leadership, there will be many accusations. And many people can accuse you from a short-sighted point of view. Because they don't even know why you make the decisions you make. Praise God. That's why when you become a leader, when the praises come, give them to God. The criticism come, give them to God. Because the same people who shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna today. The next voice will be, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because people are emotional. Hmm? People go by the changing seasons. If you do what is right and what they like, they'll follow you. And if you don't do what they like, they will unfollow you. That's our world. It's not a world of convictions. It's not a world where people are convinced about who to follow or who not follow. It's just, just do something they don't like. Just correct them in a way they don't like. And then they've left you. And that is why Christianity is better than convictions. Because things might come that will attempt to shake your faith. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Some characteristics of this leadership is that the leader's objectives is to serve himself. He considers self-image, entitlement of positions, create an atmosphere of dependency, using the power of position to manipulate and to direct. And sometimes this is where ministers of the gospel, we have to be careful. The church was not designed to just be built on one man. In such a way that if that man is not there, then everything grinds to a halt. And I've always said it. It is because a lot of us as ministers of the gospel are not good students of church history. If you study church history, you would realize that most leaders who raised themselves that way, when they died, the work they raised died with them. Today, John G. Lake ministry still continues. Corey Blake still leads that ministry. His materials are still being produced. But all those who exalted themselves, you know, when you read church history and you see some of the miracles we have today, you'd realize that we haven't actually seen miracles. Oh, we haven't. <laughs> Boy. Ah. There were two boys called the Jeffrey brothers. The Jeffrey brothers. The Jeffrey brothers had some most tremendous miracles. Club foots, foots that were literally bent, if you know what a club foot is. People's foot will be bent like this. They'll go for the Jeffrey Brothers meeting. It will come up straight up. Bones, you will hear bones literally cracking. Come up straight up. You know, one time they, they preached and preached and the power of God was so strong and everything. And the two boys came and said, the world is under our feet. 
So from that point, their ministry began to diminish. It was one of the Jeffrey brothers, most times people don't know, Riyad Bonke was a struggling missionary in South Africa. He came from Germany, he was struggling in South Africa, many years, no results. So he went back home. And in that moment of discouragement, he was walking and saw a door, and he rode the homes of the Jeffreys. And he remembered, he remembered, he remembered the Jeffrey brothers. And so he walked into the home, and uh, someone... The lady that was attending to the Jeffrey brothers then, you know, stopped him and said, oh, you can't go see him. And then the, one of the Jeffrey brothers from inside said, let him come. And then they allowed Rea Bonke to go in. He laid hands on Rea Bonke, and that's where the power of God and the impartation came upon Rea Bonke. And his ministry took a new turn where the Lord gave him a vision of a blood-washed Africa. Alexander Dowie founded the Zion City. Miracles like no man's business. Miracles, 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 miracles like no man's business. Incredible miracles. And one day, Alexander Dewey sat and said, I'm the Elijah that Jesus promised. And that was it. And yet, we still lead. Like apart from us, no one else can. That's not kingdom. When Jesus came, he emptied himself on others. So we can find our own greatness. There's a place of honor. But it's not so much that we lead men to ourselves. It's so we can empower every child of God to find the seed of greatness where they are. When you are privileged to lead people, empower the people under your care. Whether in the church, whether at your zonal level, whether at your departmental level, by the time you leave that place, may people be glad and say, thank God we had this supervisor. He made us better. Look for ways to make people better. Not domineering. Not lording it over them. Today we also have Christian music stars behaving like secular stars. Hmm? Now, the Christian music star wants to become a star. Hmm? And so it's really not different from the way we behave. Right? Try to sew our clothes differently to have a brand. To cut our hair differently to have a brand. And gradually, we're going into a place where, you know, we can... It's not so much about the worship of God right now, but... Which celebrity is coming? That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. And let me tell you, let me tell you in simple terms. You're right? You know, sometimes you look at all those people and say, ah, why can't pastor bring all those people? Let them just come and shake the island. The last one wanted to bring <laughs> By the time he gave us his bill, I just told them we are spirit and truth. If we share the money to all of them, I'm sure they will sing better. Are we saying we shouldn't honor? We should honor. But ultimately, this thing is becoming a show business. Ultimately, it's becoming a show business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He brought one of these popular singers to come and sing. You know, kept postponing, kept postponing. No time, no time. Finally gave them time. They met all the conditions. Flight ticket, business class, this one, that one. Paid for singers, paid for drummers. Hired hotel, did everything. <laughs> <laughs> By the time program was finished, their own worshiper who sang, they, they, they sensed, if the glory of God is like the glory of God descended, 
And by the time this one came up, the glory ascended. It was clear to everybody. And they just said, why did you waste the money? And it was good for them. Because, you know, sometimes we feel that except it's that big name, it's almost like if that big name come, God will respond. And we need to be careful of that. We need to be careful of that. And those of you here that God is raising into the music ministry, that's not what God is raising. And let me tell you, some of you have heard, some of you would have heard this, the, the, the video of Pastor Chris, right? Uh, that was talking to the musician. If someone like Pastor Chris would make such a comment, you should know where it's coming from. There is no pastor, there is no pastor in this continent. Let's leave the world. There is no pastor in this continent that has raised as much music stars as Pastor Chris and Christ Embassy. And if he would publicly rebuke that character, you should know that he knows more things than he's saying. This kingdom is different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This kingdom is different. Let's not get to the point where we think that we can do things like the world does things. Let's read the scripture and then we'll close. Luke 20 for the 6. We're going to continue from here. Luke 20 for the 6. Luke chapter 20. Verse 46 to 47. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Hmm? And love respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And cheap seats in the synagogue. And places of honor at banquets. Look at their characteristics. Now, let me explain something. You see, the role of the scribes was to teach the word of God. Was to give the word of God. Look at what the Bible says. He said they like to walk around in long robes. Just walk around. In long groups. Eh? They love respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Love respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And what's the next one? Chief seats in the synagogue. Chief seats. And places of honor at banquets. The truth of the matter is that if you evaluate what the scribes like, that is what we call leadership today. Hmm? Dressing that sets us apart. Differentiates us. Dress in such a way that we are not like common men anymore. So this is my brand. It's not bad, but... <laughs> hmm? There are respectful greetings in marketplaces. Respectful greetings in marketplaces. And then... Chief seats in the synagogue... Places of honor at banquets. That's what they call leadership. Instead of focusing on the laws that they should teach. This is what they were focusing on. You see, when you become a leader and your vision is not clear, you will focus on non-essentials. If you don't know what your purpose is, you would focus on non-essentials. Let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, of course, we, there's honor and everything. I'm not taking that out. But let me tell you, regardless of where you keep me, what I know, I already know. 
What I'm teaching now, if you keep me at the back, and Jesus, you know, Jesus taught some things that we do. Jesus said, when you go to a place, say sit at the back so that when the owner of the feast comes, they come and sit here. He said, when you sit at the feast and important men come, they will say, go back. I was just teaching basic principles in life. He said, be humble. He that is humble will be exalted. Look at that. Say they walk around in long robes. Is, it, is that what they are supposed to be doing as scribes? Scribes ought to be teaching and interpreting the scriptures. They are walking around with long robes. Love respectful greetings in marketplaces. See a minister today who finished putting his name and put AKA. Hmm? Pastor, this one, that one. AKA, firefighter. They love greetings. Huh? They love greetings. Yeah. Apostle, doctor. It's here you see confused title. Apostle, doctor, professor. How can you be a professor? <laughs> you know, yeah? Apostle, professor. Chief apostle. Major, major prophets. Major one. And you know, we, those things excite us. Right? The very things Pentecostal people condemned among the Catholics that made them to come to Pentecostalism is the very things they return to. Titles upon titles, little relevance. Doctor, professor. JP, JP plus. Been to Jerusalem three times. So if you've been there, what about the people that live there? Just titles. Just titles. Little products. Walk into, walk, and I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. Walk into any theological library in the, in the, walk into any theological library in the country, you would see that most of the theological books used to study, most of them, 90% of them were written by white people, including theology about African culture. Because everything we write here is not just theological. Overcoming the destroyer, acidic prayer, just, just. Things that are shallow. No line of thought. Hmm? But we love to sit. And sometimes we can be like that in our jobs. Contribute value. Forget about the position. Just give value. Next, the next one. Chief seats in the synagogue. Places of honor at banquets. But look at verse 47. Who devour widows' houses? This is the value they contribute after all the long robe, after all the chief healing, the end product of their ministry is that they do what? Devour widows' houses. What is the end product of our charismatic ministry? Is that money leaves people's pockets. After all the titles is seed. Isaac seed, Jeremiah seed, uh, prophet seed, overcoming seed. And they will devour you. When they are done with you, they'll finish eating you. Nothing. Your money is gone. Teach you things that will make you afraid. Devoured. Eating up. Hmm? By the time they give you their theology that is not substantiated in scriptures, you are devoured. No substance. Eating up. That's why Paul warned them. He said, at my departure, he said, savage wolves will arise. and will not have mercy on the sheep. But you know the funny thing? These are the people we, we give honor. These are the people we like. These are the people we hail. Devourers of widows' homes. Look at this. And for appearance sake, they offer long prayers. You need to hear them pray. Father in heaven, the one who sits in heaven and his head is on the footstool. You know, long prayers. Say, Madam, man can pray. 
He, the man can pray. He said, for appearance sake. <laughs> they like long prayers. For appearance sake. Because it's not in their heart. They are just praying to intimidate you. Time they use English, they say, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he said, for appearance sake. Then Jesus said, this will receive greater condemnation. Now, everything here, Jesus says, will receive greater what? Condemnation. Because you know what? After everything we have read, the end product of their leadership is that they devour people. So, if our leadership is not contributing, then there's a problem. If we have all the titles, if we have all the, you know, the fanciful titles, the long walk, the good seats, the good dresses, but the people who sit under us are devoured. They are not becoming better. Do you know the people the Lord says you should honor financially? That Paul tells us. He says, honor those who labor in word and doctrine. He said, those people are the ones that should be counted worthy of double honor. Said nothing about what they wear. Said nothing about where they sit. Said nothing about their titles. What did he talk about? Their function. That those who labor in the word and in the doctrine are those that should be counted worthy of double honors. Not those with long robes. Not those with fanciful titles. Huh? See, young people change their titles every time on Facebook because it's easy to edit. And we need to review these things as a church so that we can tow the line of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that you take these words, you would engrave them in our hearts. You will cause that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. You give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We pray, Father God, that through these messages, you would raise leaders in every sector of the society that would lead with a biblical worldview. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Um, let's get our offerings ready. I want to thank all of you for your generous giving, your tithes and your offerings. Now, uh, very important, please pay attention. Very important. Uh, we have a fasting starting from tomorrow. Okay? Uh, so we're going to be in church here to pray for Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.